Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Today, uh, I was thinking it's Vision Sunday. This is where we kind of reset, refocus. What are we doing here? Where are we going? Um, and I have to ask myself that sometimes, because sometimes when you're getting in the nitty-gritty and the day-to-day, you forget, like, you're just in rhythm. Anyone been there? You're just going through life, just waking up. You know, I don't know, maybe you're getting the kids ready, uh, going to work, coming back, going to bed, going, doing the same thing over and over, and sometimes you lose track. What are we, where are we? Um, and we need to find uh, that little map which says you are here. You remember, ever been in a, a shopping center and you're looking for the you are here so you can get to the place you want to go? And so today is probably that kind of place to reset, to refocus. This is where we are. This is where we're going. Um, and I, I was praying about this and I really felt God saying, tell them. Because sometimes it's very easy just to fall in to just tell you what you think you need to hear or just tell people what you're supposed to tell them for a vision Sunday. But I really felt God just saying, tell them what you see, Phil. Give them your heart. There's nothing better when someone just gives you your heart. Like, why did we start? Why did we begin? What, what is the point of just gathering a bunch of people and doing worship and gathering? What, what are we doing? What, what is the real purpose of this? What are we, where do we want to be? Um, I, I just jotted a few, a few thoughts down. Um, I guess... What I see is people filled with compassionate, genuine love for God and for people. Uh, not doing it because they have to do it or you're supposed to do it. Literally genuine love um, and compassion. People who are willing to take risks, step out of the boat, pray for people, ask the simple questions. Not even complex stuff, just the simple stuff because I feel so often we don't get there. I think it's so easy as a Christian to get filled up with so much information, so much theology, and we can't even get the basics of inviting someone to church, leading someone in their faith. So I, I believe in seeing a church that can just do the basics well, that is passionate for people, willing to take risks, not just playing it safe. Listen, there's no fun in playing it safe. There's no fun in just going through the motions. Honestly, that's when you begin to complain. I'm not getting enough out of this. Well... I'm telling you, God's got more for you. Then did you maybe God's got something for you, that's why. Um, to do yourself. People who can see vision beyond the norms of society or a previous generation. Because we have to move forward. We have to think about what is going on in today's world with today's youth, with today's young adults. We have to think about those things. People who are willing to give their life to building the church who see it for what it really is. That it's not just an addition to their life, but they realize that God's kingdom on the earth is the priority to their life. And that means family. That means looking after your family. It doesn't mean neglecting your family. It means the opposite. It's bringing church into your home. People who are serving God, not man. So, so that they become unoffendable or distracted. Because who? how many people have you met that are offended at man? And so they don't go to a house of worship because of an offense at man. But here, we're here to worship God. Listen, the best of a man is a man at best. Someone told me that once. And so let's focus our attention on God and what He says and what He's doing with your life and what He's doing with us collectively in this imperfect setting. 
where he does perfect things. I just want to touch on this real quick as well. You know, we, we, we spoke about how some people experience healing. You know, we live in a world, it's, it's the world of the now and the not yet. That means the kingdom has come, but it hasn't fully come. That means where sometimes we get healed, but we don't get fully healed. Well, what do you mean, Phil? I mean, someone could get healed, but what happens a year from now? Eventually, we die. <laughs> so, so healing can come, and sometimes it doesn't, because we're living in the now and the not yet, but, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't pray for healing. We pray, we believe, and we leave the rest in God's hands. But it doesn't, we don't fall into this false idea that we're never going to die. And I think what can, that can do for people is that can discourage them and actually cause them to fall into another sense of performance because, oh, you didn't believe enough. You know what I'm saying? And so you didn't perform enough, and so therefore God is mad at you. Or we get discouraged. We've got to be careful with their theology. If it's, if it's not balanced, we're in the here of the, the now and the, the kingdom of the now and not yet. Heaven is here in part, but it's not here in full. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. So I don't want anyone sitting there thinking, you know, God's mad at me or, uh, or you know, that's not how God works. God might want obedience from you, but he's not there punishing you for reasons like that. Now, I was just thinking about this, a question. You know, why is it we're so attracted to World Cup finals? Rugby World Cup finals. Tim Shaw's there at the minute, or he was there last night. Um, why are we attracted? Come on, anyone watch the boxing? I just watched the commentary. I was too cheap. Uh, I was just watching one of the guys commentate on all night, and uh, big Nanganu, uh, just creating upsets. Why are we attracted to those things? Why are we attracted to going on holidays? Why are we attracted to having families? Why are we attracted to dressing up, having parties? Why are we attracted to movies that are full of excitement, uh, 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 love stories? Or, or some of you weirdos are attracted to movies that are scary. What, the, what on earth is wrong with you? But for some reason, people like that stuff. You know, and I was reading the scripture that we're going to talk about today. And it had all that in it. They were terrified. They were excited. They were fearful, but they were also full of faith. And I think when you strip it all back and how God has designed us as human beings, the church was designed to have all of that stuff. In the day-to-day, -day, there's risk. There's faith needed. There's fear experienced. You're terrified at times. Well, how am I going to deal with this? That's life at its best. And I'm telling you, when the church is stuck, when church is unaware of where it's going or what it's doing and lacks vision, that ceases. You're no longer as terrified sometimes, as fearful at times, excited at times. And listen, there's people in here I want to speak to you as well. You maybe feel faithless. You feel dead in your faith. You feel hard-hearted. We're going to deal with that today because it's time to get reignited and it's not going to be what you think. What you think you need is not what you think you need. You're like, what? <laughs> Stick with me. So we're going to start off in a story of Scripture. I'm literally just going to go through this Scripture. And for the first time, for whatever reason, it didn't save on the computer. So I just have the points. You're going to have to get your phones or your Bibles out. We'll put the lights up. Don't worry. If you, if you have a paper Bible. Um, but we're going to go to Mark chapter 16, and we're going to work through that chapter from verses 1 to 18. I'm just going to pick 
pick it apart as we go along and make a few points which I think are really important. But I'll give you context. Jesus has been on the earth for 33 years. 30 of those years, he didn't enter his ministry, which means he was learning, he was growing, he was doing relationship, doing life with people, he was attending meetings, church, uh, uh, and all those kind of things. And then at 30 years old, he entered his ministry for three years. And for three years, he was healing people. For three years, he was preaching, he was teaching. He, he was building a team of trainees, and he was training them up on the job. He didn't wait until they were, had a degree. He didn't wait until they had went through certain schools, which they hadn't, most of them. He, he pulled them alongside of him and says, just come follow me, let's learn as we go. And as they were learning, they were experiencing, they were failing, they were cutting off ears of, of people who they'd seen as attackers. They, they were getting in Jesus' way as he was trying to show them examples. They were trying to tell him what to do, uh, and Jesus had to tell them to stop. Uh, they were denying Jesus after saying they love him so much. Uh, it was a mess. It just looked like a school. It just looked like your home. It was full of ups and downs, fearful, excited, terrified, unsure, not, not confused. Why could we not do that, Jesus? His disciples, that was their journey. And so if you're on that journey, it's okay. It might even be part of the plan. It might even be important for you to be there so you can actually be real about things. And not over-exaggerate and not just say the right thing that should be said at a time when someone needs you just to be real and be honest and say, listen, I've been there, I've been confused, I've been hurt, I've made mistakes, I've actually got it wrong. That's a lot of times what people want to hear. But this is how I move forward. And this is how I surrendered my life to Christ. And this is how God taught me. That's, that's what I want to hear when I'm speaking to a friend. I, I don't want someone just to say, this is how you should have done it. I told you so. I want anyone to like someone to tell me, tell you, I told you so. No, anyone like that? No? Good. And so there's a season shifting, and today's message I want to talk to you about is a message called a season of advancement. I really, I really sense this is where we're at. It's a season of advancement, and that really means a season of moving forward. We were in a season of holding, a season of endurance, a season of long-suffering, you could even say. I feel like now we're going into a season of advancement. And that might even be personally for your own personal life as well. I believe God's always trying to advance you, but sometimes there's different seasons. There's a holding place. There's a, all throughout the Scripture, we see even the Israelites in seasons of holding. The whole New Old Testament could be described as a season of holding before Jesus came. But then there's a season of advancement. And when Jesus came, he says, now is, the, now is the time of salvation. It's advancing the gospel. It's advancing the church. And so I feel like we're in a season of advancement. And that means there's a change over. That means there's a transition. That means there's a challenge. And so we're going to pick up on this story. And what's happened with Jesus is Jesus died on the Friday, as some of you know. And then we enter into Silent Saturday, which nothing happened. Some of you might be there where nothing's happened. Maybe some of you are on Friday where you've experienced a disappointment, a death, a dead end, a lost job. I don't know what that is, a relationship breakdown. Some of you might be in a place where nothing's happening. It feels a bit empty. 
there's unknowns, what's next. And I want you to understand this, that the, the Saturday in Jewish culture was the Sabbath, was the Sunday of our day. So this was their day of rest, a day of nothingness. But then we enter into the next day, which was their Sunday, which was the first day of the week when things began to operate again. It's probably our Monday in reality. And this is where we pick up on the story. And so you can just picture how the people who had given up their life, they'd taken a risk, they'd left their jobs, they'd, they'd invested heavily in, in this heaven to earth mandate that Jesus had spoke about and taught them how to pray, this mission, this Savior, this Messiah who had proven himself and proven his worth. And even the first woman we're going to talk about here is Mary Magdalene. And further on the story, it tells us that she was healed of seven demons. That's not just one demon, not just one. could be a mental issue, it could be depression, it could have been exotic, it could be a spirit, some kind of spiritual, who, who knows what that was, but who know, knows a demon isn't a good thing. <laughs> it's destructive, it's resisting God's plan, God's will for that person. And so Jesus came and delivered her of seven demons. Everyone says seven. Seven demons. And so who knows she's thankful who knows she appreciates what Jesus has done, but she's also really disappointed and mourning and broken and hurting because the person, the Savior that she loved so dearly that saved her life on the earth, not just eternally, had gone. Nearly like a crutch had disappeared and now she has to stand her own two feet. And so here we pick up and it says, uh, you can follow or you can just listen. Um, it says, and when the Sabbath was passed, the Saturday was passed, that is after the sun had set, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome purchased sweet-smelling spices so that they may go and anoint Jesus' body. And so I was thinking about this, and I was kind of racing ahead in this story when I was trying to plan, and what can I say about this? And I, to be honest, I was, going, I was going straight ahead just that you need to honor the past. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I really felt the Holy Spirit told me, no, no, Phil, you're missing something so important, because you know what? What you do first is so key. I felt the Holy Spirit said, no, what were they doing? Think about being in their shoes, being healed of these terrible ailments and problems. And it's, it's like that guy who had a, a bad hip, and all of a sudden he can walk again, and all of a sudden he can do things that he loves again. You're so thankful. The world of opportunity just opens up. She's coming and she wants to anoint Jesus even though he's not the same as he used to be. She remembers what he done. She remembers that he was a life source, that he was a life change. She remembers and she wants to give still. She wants to give adoration. She wants to give thanks. She wants to continue to do what she always done, which is what is worship. And I'm thinking if we're in a season of advancement, what is the first thing as a church that we need? What, what do we need each individual person on each individual seat to grasp and to get and to learn and to grow in? It's not knowledge first. It's not just more information. It's not just more activity. It's worship. 
Because worship captures your heart. I thought, you know, you know, when I was praying about this, what the Holy Spirit showed me was that, Phil, think about any time you've ever made or taken a risk. Think about any time you've ever done something outside the norm. Think about any time you've either blessed God's name in an extraordinary way, in a way that went outside normal behavior for your daily life. Where did it come from? It came from a place of worship. It came from a place of God's presence in prayer, at home, in church, on a mountain, walking down the street. But it came when I was connected to God with a heart of adoration, where I was willing to give something up for Him. Anytime God has done any, anything significant for my life, and I'm sure with your life, it came from a place of connection, of love and adoration for God. And so there's no point in us asking people, you need, please help us to serve. Please invite people to church. Please give because we want to get a building. There's no point talking about that until we learn to worship. Can I get an amen? amen? And so maybe you're in here and your heart feels hard and you're disappointed and you feel a little lethargic. I'm telling you, I know what you need. You need to worship. You need to get vulnerable again with God. You need to allow Him to challenge you. You don't need a tickle on your back. I love a tickle on the back. <laughs> but it puts me to sleep. <laughs> Listen, I'm useless for nothing after a tickle. <laughs> And some of you want to come and get tickled. That's not the song I wanted. I want tickled. <laughs> tell me how great I am. Listen, people leave churches that just tell them how great they are all the time. It'll be good for three months, and then you're like, I'm bored. Why? Because you need challenged. You want challenged. You want faith that moves mountains. You want to be in that movie that's full of a love story where there's incredible sacrifice, but it, you're not going to sacrifice unless there's a connection that's worth sacrificing for. And that comes through worship. It goes on to say, and very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb. So they just came to worship. They probably weren't expecting much. They came to worship, and by then sun had risen, and they'd said to one another, who will roll back the stone for us? So what's this? They showed up to worship. They showed up to the situation that they felt called to do, felt drawn to do, felt moved to do, but they didn't understand everything that was going to play out. But too many of us, I don't want to invite that person to church because I'm not sure how it's going to play out. I don't want to... To go to the prayer first because I'm not sure how it's going to play out. What if they ask me to do something? I don't want to go to group because I'm not sure how it's going to play out. I don't want to give. Oh, I thought you're getting a wee bit sensitive. This is a bit too touchy-feely because I'm not sure how it's going to play out. I don't want to talk to someone about my faith in, in work because I'm not sure how it's going to play out. You see, see, who these people were. They were willing to walk into the unknown. I'm telling you, special things happen when you get some people who are willing to walk into the unknown. God moves through people who are willing to walk into the unknown by faith. 
They said, who will roll back the stone? How are we going to work this thing out? The groove across the floor, the door of the tomb. And then they looked up and they distinctly saw that the stone was already moved, rolled back, for it was very large. So I honestly believe when God is, God's will is being played out in your life, that's what it looks like. Is that you know God called you to make a step, but you didn't know how the next step would play out. But God's just looking you to make a step. And he said, if you make one step, I'll show you the second one. And, and when, you, when you take the second step, I'll open the door to the third one. But I don't need you to roll the stones away. But I do need you to show up on the scene. I do need you to have the conversation. I do need you to act as if the stone will roll at some point. Another thing I noticed here is that they finished with honor. You know, all throughout the scripture, we see this, we see an example. In one of the scriptures, it talks about how we finish the race. You know, good and faithful servant. And how finishing the race is the most important part. It's not like, hey, let's get to 70%. Let's do a good job for 70% of the race and then give up on the marathon. Well, there's no medal. There's no reward. And the season is unfinished. Maybe you've been through different seasons. Maybe you're coming to the end of one, the start of a new one. What I see here is these, these women have come to the end of a season, but they've finished with honor. What, what do you mean finished with honor for that? I mean... Jesus had nothing more to provide for them in their eyes because he was dead. But they still showed up to worship him and honor him. Why? Because what he'd done back here. They remembered his goodness. They remembered what he had done. And they honored. See, there's something special about honor. Honor causes you to finish strong. See, maybe some of you are coming out of a relationship. You know the best way to enter the next relationship? Honor the last one. You know what a red flag is if someone comes into the church? <laughs> Not with the flag, but we might have a chat if you do. The red flags are flying so high when you hear someone comes in and they start to slate their last church. Woo! Because you know what's happening? They're not honoring the old. Because there was pretty good things that did happen, but when you're bitter and you're mad, you don't see it. You see all the wee things. But, but even that, honor isn't about performance. When you, the Bible says, if you want a good life and good days ahead, you honor your father and your mother. It didn't say, honor your father and mother if they've done a good job. Yeah. Yeah. All the mothers and fathers, what? yes. <laughs> but you know what it's about? It's a chain breaker. It's about breaking chains in your life. It's about the cycle of sin stopping and coming to a halt. You see, when someone comes to me and says, listen, we had some difficulties in the last season, but I'm not, I'm not going to name it. I'm not going to talk about it. We had some good times too. You know, someone says that, I'm like, right, green, white flag, there's peace, they're smart, they've got wisdom in their life. And guess what happens? The doors swing open. I want to get to know those people. I mean, I want to bring them into my inner circle. The other people I get to know, but I, I might have to 
keep them at a distance because what are you going to say about me when you leave here? And so honor is so important when it comes to transition. It comes to changing seasons. No matter what's happened. Because it shows the posture of someone who has maturity and the ability. Hey, I'm not serving people anyhow. People didn't serve me well, but I'm serving God. My trust is in Him. It's not in those old leaders. It's not in those old people. It's not in that old relationship. Some of us, you've came out of a bad relationship. And if all you do is talk about how bad the relationship was, the flags are flying and they're all red. But you'll know when you're ready for the next relationship when you've dealt with that. And you say, listen, it happened. They're not perfect. I wasn't perfect. And the best thing you can do is focus on yourself. Same with the job. If there's employers in here, I know they don't want to employ someone who's just thought their last employer was, was a demon. Because guess who's the next demon? The next employer. <laughs> And so they finished with honor. So, so important that we deal with that God's way. And this is what I'm saying when I talk about the disciples. You know, here Jesus is about to transition. He's about to empower. He's about to ignite the church with a bunch of people who, who didn't pass with flying colors, but they stayed in the game. They failed multiple times. One of them was sacked <laughs> and then reinstated. That's who we're dealing with here, and that's, the church, and that's what we, we as people go through, and we're, we're going through seasons like that, but it's so important that we learn to honor. Number three, rocks can roll. Rocks can roll. They didn't know how. They didn't know where, they didn't know when, but rocks can roll. Your season will change. Your season can change. But rocks can roll. But I'm telling you, they roll a lot quicker and they roll a lot more in time when you learn to worship and you learn to honor. First, but rocks will roll. And that rock might even be the hardness in your heart. That rock might even be obstacles in your way. That rock might be a person. When you learn to worship, when you learn to honor, I'm telling you, people will treat you differently. You're starting to sow a different seed and you start to reap a different harvest. But rocks can and rocks will roll. See, our relationships connect to each other. Our seasons connect to each other. Our churches connect to each other. Our jobs connect to each other. Our family connects to each other. It's all connected. And when we start to see it as connected and a bigger picture, then we start to realize that God's way is better. It goes on to say in verse 5, going into the tomb, they saw a young man sitting there on the right side, clothed in a long, stately, sweeping robe of white. And they were utterly amazed and struck with terror. They're utterly amazed. <laughs> they're really excited. They're absolutely blown away. But they're also really scared. Who knows at that moment and that time they were really alive. And they were really on their toes. 
and they were experiencing all that life has for them in those moments that would mark them for the rest of their life. It was a moment that would mark them, that would change them. It was a foundational moment. And so don't run away from those moments that scare you. Do not, we need a church that doesn't run away from those moments that make you nervous. We need a church of individuals who are willing to break through the fear factor of terror, of unknown. Because when that happens, we start to see rocks roll. Lives changed. And he said to them, do not be amazed and terrified. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where he led him, but be going, tell the disciples and Peter, he goes before, before you into Galilee. You will see him there as he told you. Then they went out and fled, fled the tomb for trembling and bewilderment and consternation had seized them. And they said nothing about it to anyone, for they were held by alarm and fear. So it was interesting how in the middle of fresh disappointment, fresh failure, a death-like, a funeral-like situation, this is the exact point that God is starting to usher in vision for their life. Vision and a new assignment was coming through the very thing that they thought was the opposite it was an upside-down situation. They thought they were visiting death, and they found a life. They thought, thought, they were, they thought they were coming to the end of the, the vision that Jesus had, but, but it was actually the beginning of the vision that Jesus had. The fresh failure can lead to fresh vision, but it's the very moment that you're most likely to switch off. That's often when God wants to speak the most. I remember someone saying this, Phil, it's in our good times that God whispers. It's in our bad times that often God shouts. And so when you're going through a bad time, maybe it's a time to be more attentive. You think about a funeral. What happens at a funeral? People show up to funerals that you haven't seen in years. When bad things happen to you, people come to your bedside, they visit hospitals, they text you, they're thinking about you, they're praying for you, but in normal day life, you hear nothing a lot of the time, yeah? There's something happens when you're going through trial that doesn't happen in a normal, comfortable life. God speaks more if you're listening in the hardest times, God builds better foundations in the hardest times of your life than he does when you're feeling comfortable and everything's going well. And so don't switch off. Maybe in this past season as a church where we went through obstacle after obstacle, setback after setback, maybe we've been able to lay a foundation that can hold so much more than we could have if we were just getting it good. Maybe we could have been getting it good so long that our foundation couldn't hold and would topple. Maybe that frustration and that brokenness, because we didn't switch off in the storm, in the long suffering, we kept trying to get better, we kept trying to reorganize, we kept trying to learn something new. Maybe we're set up for a season of advancement that we never thought could have been possible, but because of that previous season of holding it is. 
I believe it. Does anyone believe it? See, when something fails, what often happens is you end up with a blank canvas to start again. A blank sheet to be creative with, to, to actually learn off those lessons of your past to build better the second time, the third time, the fourth time. To say, hey, I remember I'd done this and the foundation was already laid in that past season so I couldn't really shift it, but now I'm starting again. It's a frustration. It's annoying to have to do some things, but I know I can build better because I got some experiences that I've learned off. I'm going to build different this time. My foundation is going to be different this second time around, this third time around. It goes on to say, now Jesus, having risen from death early in the first day of the week, appeared first, appeared first to Mary Magdalene, I find that interesting. From whom he had driven out seven demons. <laughs> interesting, he appeared to Mary first. Someone who had really helped, but someone who also appeared first on the scene. Who nearly just kept honoring, kept showing up, kept worshiping. There's something in that that he came back to her. To be the first person to tell the disciples that, hey, Christ has risen. The first preacher of the good news, in a way. Number 10, it says, She went and reported it to those who had been with him and as they grieved and wept. And when they heard he was alive and she had seen him, they did not believe it. After, after this, he appeared in a different form to two of them as they were walking along the way in the country. And they returned to Jerusalem and told the others, but they did not believe them either. So like two days has gone and the disciples have basically just give up. It's over. Like everything we just gave our life to, we messed up. We took the risk. It didn't pay off. Jesus, yeah, he done amazing things. It, he came across like the Messiah, but it looks like he's gone. They were just living uh, from feelings of the moment instead of the vision of the future that Jesus had already painted for them. And 14, it says, afterwards he appeared to the 11, watch this, afterwards he appeared to the 11 apostles themselves as they reclined at a table. So they're all kind of hanging about together, just probably talking about how bad the situation was. And he, repu he reproved and reproached them for their unbelief, their lack of faith, and their hardness of heart. There's maybe people in here today, and you have a hard heart, and you're just... I don't feel it any longer, Phil. I don't have faith any longer. Maybe it took you a few months, but it took them two days. They were firing all cylinders. Two days, they're, they're done. They're just annoyed. They're frustrated. They have a hard heart. But what I see here, and I think this is really important, is that Jesus didn't come in trying to say, oh, I'm so sorry you lost your faith. I'm so sorry I went away for a day. I'm so, so sorry I went to the cross. He didn't come and apologize for what he'd done. Because he had to do it. He had to go through the pain. He had to experience, his, he, he, he had to give his life as a sacrifice, as a ransom for sin. He didn't come and apologize for how uh, they'd been neglected for a little bit of time, or he, he, he wasn't mollycoddling them or tickling their ears. He came in and he challenged them. He rebuked them. 
for giving up. He was basically saying, you got it wrong. You've got to change your belief now. You've got to change your mind again. You got it wrong, and this has led you to a hard heart. If you're here with a hard heart, you know what you need? You don't need someone just to come around you and put their arm around you. You don't need someone just to come and high-five you or hug you. You need challenged. You need to expand your vision again. You need to start to believe that God has got great things in store for you. You need to realize that God has called you to step up to do great things. You need to receive the vision that God has for your life, whether you're a man or you're a woman. If you're a man and you're lethargic and you're just moping about, you need, you're a man. God has called you to lead. He's not called you to, to step back and to shrink up and, and just go with the flow. He's called you to be a thermostat for the culture that you live in, for your family, for your workplace. Expand your vision, challenge your vision, think bigger. You don't shrink back just because things didn't go well in the last season. You use them to propel you forward. You use them as a... Jesus is speaking to a bunch of disciples who messed up, who he... Two days and they were given up. That's not impressive. But he came in and he, he, he still believed in them to, to be the foundation for the church as we know it. And then he just left them to figure it out, to feel terror, to have a need for prayer. An assignment which was way bigger than they needed God. I'm telling you, if you're feeling lethargic in your faith, you challenge yourself. You think bigger about what God has called you. He doesn't, he, God has not called you just to come in and sit on a pew and just chill and just suck off everyone else. God has called you to lead, to be a thermostat, to rise up, to use the gifts that you have to dream dreams that actually help other people and change their life. He hasn't called you just to sit and just be scared of prayer out loud. He hasn't called, challenge yourself, do it. Just do it. Until then, you're going to feel hard-hearted, discouraged. Listen, has anyone ever been excited about staying in P1 for the whole seven years of your primary school? <laughs> anyone excited about that? Or, or maybe some of you men, like, you love football. Would you, would you love to have just stayed at the under 10 level and everyone just chasing around the pitch? after the ball and there's no positional play and it, is that you know are, do, you want, do you still want to be in mothers and toddlers when you're 25 years old <laughs> I'm telling you you will get bored I'm pretty sure you'll get bored some of you parents you're like you've had to go back to watching what do you watch now what's the end thing Bluey. You've watched Lion King a thousand times and you're bored. Your heart's, you used to, the first time you watched it, you were amazed, but you're now bored because you watched it so many times. Why? Because you were built to move and advance forward. You weren't supposed to stay in P1. You were supposed to go to P2. And yes, the first day of P2 is a bit nerve-wracking or a new school is nerve-wracking and it should be. Because that's what advancement looks like. And so if you're a Christian, you give your life to Jesus and you're in P1, I, 
I, I strongly encourage you to go to P2. <laughs> because if you don't, you will die. You will die on P1. You will give up. You'll say, I hate school. I hate, you know, Chris, this is not working for me anymore. Worship's not the same. Well, well maybe it's not the same because you're, you're not where you should be. And God didn't, God didn't want you to stay where you are. He wanted you to move forward. He's done that with the disciples as Jesus said. He said, listen, you need to reproach, turn from this thinking that you have. It's not going to get you where I need you to go. I've called you to greater things than this. But you've got to graduate. And you've got to dig deep. And you've got to feel the terror. And you've got to feel the excitement. And you've got to feel all those things that you want anyhow. That you go to movies for. That you go to rugby games for. Gaelic games for. Football games for. You want it. But the only way is to go through. Can I get an amen? Let's go ahead and stand. Challenge your vision. It's always too soon to give up. Some of you need to get back serving. Some of you need to get back praying. Some of you need to get back worshiping. Some of you need to get back believing. But even bigger than that, some of you need to get back seeing God's vision for your life, for your family. And not just seeing it for what everyone else is doing. Seeing it for what God says it can be. See, God used a moment of grief and pain to establish a new season of advancement for the church. And he will do the same for us and he'll do the same for you. But you have to expand your thinking. You've got to expand your vision. You've got to think more of yourself. You've got to be willing to get uncomfortable. And listen, if you don't, you'll get stuck. You'll end up living a life full of regret, a life with all of your gifts that God has given you land dormant because it's too inconvenient. That's not, that's not what God has built a church with all the gifts and the talents that each person here possesses. He didn't, he didn't raise a church. He didn't rise from the dead for a dead church, a static church. People who are, are just looking their ears tickled. It doesn't work. He died for a church that's fully alive fully compassionate, full of fire and excitement and, and risk takers and people just, I'm not saying about being weird, I'm saying about doing the simple things well. Showing up for people, getting out of our comfort zone, getting out of our stuck. I'm saying as a church, I'm saying if we can grasp this and it starts with worship, because you know why worship is so hard? It's the most vulnerable place that you can go. To give your heart to something, to someone. That's why love, it's hard to start because you've got to go there. Can I believe him for a godly man to rise up in this church? Yes, it feels awkward as men to just get there initially. But listen, it's not shameful. It's not broken to be vulnerable, to shed a tear as a man. It's actually manly to have faith. It's manly to lead your family well. It's manly to sacrifice your life and to lay it down.
I'm telling you, so much influence and, and in men, but, but the enemy knows it. And he loves men to stay hard-hearted. To, get, to keep them off the field. Women, a lot of times, are amazing. But they need men to step up and to expand their vision and to keep believing and to get vulnerable. And when you're vulnerable with God, you can be strong with people. But I'm telling you, when you're, when you're hard with God, you're probably going to be weak with people and selfish and self-centered and all that stuff. How do I know? I've been there. And I would go back there. So we're just going to finish off here. I'm going to move on to the next part of our service. Um, but I really believe it's a season of advancement for our church, for you, but it's not going to happen. Listen, if we want to break through church, we need breakthrough individual people who are willing to go there in worship, who are willing to show up on the scene and, and witness God rolling stones in their life and bring the testimony to the house of the Lord as a praise report and to feel the challenge and be challenged to just not fall into cultural norms and listeners. There's more to life than that. Come on, believe for the young adults to not get distracted, to think bigger, to not just think of themselves, oh, if I can just even get myself to, to young adults group or something. No, no. <laughs> just think bigger than that. God, you've called me to influence this generation, the people around me. You've called me to invite people, to challenge people, to pray for people, not just in church. Just think bigger. Challenge yourself. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.